Hello, everyone. A very quick one from me. It would be a massive help to us with our ambition to help as many recruiters as possible achieve their goals and also inspire the next generation to choose recruitment as a career if you hit that follow and subscribe button. If you're someone that prefers to learn in a visual way, we've also recently invested a lot in our video podcast experience. So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. I'm your host, Hisham Aziz, and on this week's episode, I was joined by Phoebe Stalforbes, who is the founder of an accountancy and finance recruitment business based in Lancashire called Dot Recruit. In this episode, we really dug deep into what that business journey has been like over the last three years, where she started the business just before covid So she had to navigate that and how she'd been on a journey on uncovering what type of business it is that she wants to build, how she's being able to really double down on service and how they become the number one accountancy finance recruiter in the local area and so much more. I love Phoebe's passion, her energy, and I'm really excited to see where she takes her recruitment business over the coming years. Enjoy. Phoebe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So excited. Yeah, no, thank you so much for uh, making the trip. Yeah, no worries. Haven't had too many Northerners yet on the pod oh, in, cool. in here. Do so. you have any female Northerners yet? Yeah. Yeah, you have. had Amy actually, yeah, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, where we always like to start is to get your thoughts on like what you believe are the characteristics, traits. Yeah. What is it that you think make up today's highest performing recruiters, mm-hmm. do you think? You know, I feel as though this is something that I've put a lot of thought into as I'm recruiting for my team. And I don't know if there's any like one magic formula. People might disagree, but I think the one thing I've noticed time and time again that seems to translate to a really good recruiter is, you know, when you get someone that is driven by more than just billings, you know, they're kind of like they've got that higher purpose. They, they, they want to achieve something. They want to be the best. Like I think of all the highest billers that I've ever worked with they were driven by something and whether they tapped into what that was I think it helps to know it was what got them picking up the phone every day it's what got them in early got them staying late and I know like in myself when I've had periods of time where I've got other things going on usually that I've needed a bit more money for like I'm buying a house or doing it up or whatever that's always helped me just get my head down and just crack on like I really wanted it in that moment yeah I like that and have you sort of figured out how you uh, uncover that in an interview environment yet? <laughs> I think it's yet? tough because I think it's always changing. Like, depending on what you've got going on in your life, usually if you've got like a big milestone that you're working towards, you might be a little bit more motivated when you've got something in particular you're working towards. But sometimes you haven't got anything in particular that you're working towards. And, and what I'm trying to figure out is where is there that consistency? You know, these people that really get their head down, regardless of what they've got going on, and they're just consistent day in day out and I think that's what contributes overall it's those baby steps every single day isn't it and then you look at the year and you've absolutely smashed it so I do think a lot of it does come down to drive and motivation and work ethic and wanting it Mm. really 
these conversations go really quick. So <laughs> I'm really keen to really get into the detail of the last three years. Obviously, yeah. for the last three years, you've been building your own recruitment business, yeah. .recruit. Let's just spend a couple of moments just talking a bit before that. Obviously, before you started your own business, mm -hmm. How many years was it that you worked at another agency? Uh, seven and a half, I think. For one agency? For one agency, yeah. Yeah, climbed the ranks. Yeah. A lot changed over that time, actually. So I got to see a few different businesses, even though it was just one. Because mm. when I started, it was quite a very small niche boutique agency. And then they became part of a PLC, part of a wider group. And the dynamic of the business changed over time. So I was quite lucky to see that. You got exposed to different yeah. things, yeah. So I guess what, what I always like to hear from people, and I know other people like to hear it as well, like who was Phoebe before recruitment? So I got into recruitment when I was 19. So if I cast my mind back to who I was maybe when I was at school, I wasn't really exceptional at anything. I was pretty average at everything, do you know what I mean? So like sports, academically, I was just bang on average. I hadn't really found my thing. So when I got into recruitment at 19, I fell into it really because I didn't want to go to uni and there was a lot of pressure to go to uni from grandparents and things and I thought I can't, I can't do it, I don't know what I want to do. So I got into recruitment and kind of finally realised that that's my thing, like I can control how good I am at this. You don't really have to be particularly talented, there's certain personality traits that help obviously but I think that was the first time in my life that I was like, wow, I'm actually really good at this and I can be really good at this and it's all within my control. It's, it's not purely based on talent. It's such a moment that yeah. a lot of people can go out their entire life looking for that. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea and then I found myself in a sales role and then I was yeah. like, oh my God, like, yeah, like you just said, yeah. I can get paid for the hard work that I put in and I, I control that. Yeah. So it's interesting you say that. Just quickly, because I think this will be helpful mm -hmm. for people. A lot of people listen to this podcast who are young, um, maybe graduated from uni, maybe yeah. considering going. Advice for people that are having to deal with their parents' pressure of like, Phoebe, go to uni, it's going to oh. make us look good. We want to be able to tell people that our child's going to Oxford. Like that's a real thing that a lot of people yeah. have to sort of deal with and navigate with. How did you deal with that and advice for others? Oh, do you know, it was so tough because a little bit of background to it. My granddad was pretty much like rags to riches story. Like he was an orphan, grew up in an orphanage and worked from the age of seven on Preston Fish Market and grafted so that he could provide for his family. So I was very fortunate that he picked out a really good school for me and my sister and, and for two of my cousins. And so the pressure was on to make something of yourself because he'd sacrificed so much to get us in that position. And it was really them that out of the four of us, myself and my cousins, it kind of became apparent that if anyone's going to go to uni, it's going to be me. <laughs> so I was a bit like, oh, shit, how do I say? <laughs> or how do I prove that not going is going to be the right thing? So that's probably what drove me in the early days. But I think all I can say to anybody in that position is, I personally don't regret not going to uni, actually. I think it was the best thing I could have done. When I'm paying my team and I'm looking at the student loan on the pay slips and I'm like, oh gosh, I'm so oh. glad I don't have to pay that back. But yeah, I think if you know what you want to do, absolutely stick by it and hopefully your parents will trust that you'll have it all figured and out. How, but... how have family relationships been? Like sometimes they can be damaged, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, they're very proud of where mm. I am now. And my granddad, you know, he was in sales his entire life. You have to be when you've got your own businesses. And 
you know, he's proud, especially now, now that he's seen that I've, mm. you know, it's been 10 years later now that I'm actually three <laughs> years into my business. And I can tell, but it, I mean, he, he's a sort that always wants to push you. So he doesn't want to give you too much credit <laughs> for it. So, um, but no, it paid off. And I think anybody that I speak to in the same situation has said the same, like they didn't go. And if anything, that gave them something to prove. And that's what was the driving force behind them doing really well. Thanks for sharing that. So, so let's talk about these three years then, yeah. right? So Dot Recruit yeah. is your own recruitment business. Yeah. What was it that you believed you could and wanted to do differently from that amount of time that it was with the other business? Yeah. A lot of people, when they think about going out on their own, sometimes a big driver, besides yeah, being their own boss, wanting to make money for themselves rather than the company, yeah is like, I really believe that I can do this better. I really believe I can, yeah, do things differently. What, yeah. what was that for you? So it was never really about the money. It, for me, it was more about, as the business that I worked for grew, I started to see that there was more of a, an emphasis on quantity over quality. And it was all about the money for the business. And I'd spent a long time building my relationships and the more I climbed the ladder, the more I realized it was really tough to meet these really, really high targets and preserve these relationships that I'd spent such a long time building. And I wasn't prepared for anything to sacrifice those relationships because that was what was most important to me. I think the vision with Dot Recruit, I never planned to grow the business actually. I was, I was leaving to be a bit of a one woman band, a bit of a freelancer, just working with the clients I already had. And it was all about the relationships and being that trusted, go-to person and as you know I work a really niche market really small local market so it was all about the reputation and providing a great service really for me and, and like from your perspective how was it that you was going to deliver on that was it just like doing the right thing I think anyone that knows me is sick of hearing me say do the right thing because <laughs> that's actually one of our values and we didn't realize that until kind of coming up to the end of year two I've never been a lover of company values I've always thought they were just a bit just pick three buzzwords and we'll say there are values but I kind of realized that the team had something in common and we all absolutely live and breathe the same kind of mindset around our clients and one of them is just do the right thing by people and I'm a big believer that everything else just falls into place and follows if you just focus on I mean spend your time wisely obviously but do the right thing and ultimately everything else pays off. I love that so as well I think Recruitment is very competitive. I think just for context, when uh, you're saying there that you work in a local niche mm -hmm. market, so like for you, that's accounting and finance. Yeah. In Lancashire. In Lancashire, yeah. That's, that's tiny. That's the focus, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm assuming here that that market is still competitive. Yeah, it is. So like, how how did you go about thinking? I think you've done a really good job on on the branding front. Thank you. But like. I think that's another sort of key bit that a lot of people are concerned about when going out on their own is like, how am I going to stand out? There's so mm. many different recruitment companies, it's going to be so competitive. What was the plan or strategy around how am I going to make Dot Recruit also look and feel different mm. and actually has a USP in the market, which is for most people very competitive? Yeah. So I think everything came down to just posting regularly on LinkedIn and just being authentic. Me and you had a chat once and did a little bit of a session on what to post. And I think it was just, you're getting a little bit of a role with it. And all of a sudden I, I noticed that I was getting quite a bit of decent engagement. And I felt like there was quite a lot of people rooting for me as well. Like people that I knew, clients and candidates, just really kind of rooting for me. And that spurred me on. And actually looking back, I did a post the other day on the best three decisions 
that I made in that first year and one of them was investing time in building a personal brand because within six months that was already paying off and I think it was in the way that I'd be doing I'd be making a BD call and when I introduce myself they go oh yeah I've seen you on LinkedIn and I'd be like wow this is massive door opening some of them it was hilarious some of them that were like a little bit starstruck. <laughs> I bet you get that a lot, actually. But some of them where they were a little bit like, oh, the famous Phoebe Stowe ringing me. Mm. And I'm like, great. Like, it's just as simple as getting your name seen on LinkedIn. And it opens all these doors. And part of me was kicking myself because I thought, seven years I've been on LinkedIn as an observer, not doing anything. Where would I be if I'd have started this seven mm. years ago? So anybody that asks sort of what should I be doing, I would just say, get on LinkedIn and just post. Don't worry too much about it, just post. And have you found then that building your own brand has directly impacted Dot Recruit? Absolutely, yeah. So there was a good period of time. I mean, I would still say this now, but we have had a little bit more of a push recently on BD because we're, we're after a certain type of client. But for a good time, we didn't have to do any BD because everything was inbound. Oh. And it was a combination of the LinkedIn sort of presence and reviews on Google. So because we're in such a, a local space, I'd just ask every single candidate and client that we work with, would you just write us a review, an honest review about how you found the service? And within... 12 months, we were the highest rated accounts and finance recruiter in Lancashire on Google. That's what just, you want to be if you're just focusing on Lancashire. Yeah, exactly. And that was one of the things that I don't like blowing my own trumpet at all. So I think when you can say like, you know, have a look at us on Google and all of a sudden we're like there with our 65 star reviews. <laughs> and I'm like, there you go. Like it, or people will type in accountancy recruiter Lancashire because of all the reviews would be straight to the top. So that helps. No, that's brilliant. So let's talk about this first year. Yeah. How difficult was it? I think a lot of people can advertise and make this recruitment entrepreneurial journey look very sexy yeah. and sort of outside looking in. You just see the pictures on LinkedIn when they had their record quarter and when they're hiring people. Yeah. But like for you and your experience, we're three years in now, looking back at that first year. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, when we were preparing for this at the end of that year, like you said, you didn't initially plan to grow it. But there was like two of you, I think, was it? We set up in July 2019. Just before COVID. So we had nine months before the pandemic hit. Yeah. So um, obviously we know that the pandemic, if you're in your first year of business, that really, really wasn't ideal. So obviously mm. that was challenging, but let's not talk about no, that. Yeah, for sure. So that, that nine months in, yeah. in the kind of run up to the pandemic, the most difficult thing, honestly, that I would say was the isolation mm. of, I was literally just working at my kitchen table I'm a sociable person. I have to be around people. I can't be alone with my own brain for too long because before I know it, I'm overthinking why my gardener's not turned up today. And I'm like, what, like what's wrong with me? So for my motivation, and I realised quite early on, I always thought I'd be this one-woman band, but quite early on I'm thinking, I need staff, I need a team, I need people around me, or I need to go and work with other people because I can't be on my own all day. It's no, it's no fun, it's boring. That's what really I found tough. And I met Sophia, so Sophia was my first member of staff, and I met her when the business was only four months old, but I wanted to make sure that I had at least six months of her salary runway, in yeah. the bank so that if anything did happen, I'd give her time to get up and running. She didn't have any experience. I didn't know how well I would that, bring yeah. somebody on. So I said to her, look, as soon as I've got this amount of money in the bank, We're good the go. job's yours. She was working for, the, uh, for a local college, so she was in this dead stable job. And then, obviously, 
we'd said April would be a good time for her to start. And then obviously she hands notice in the day after we're going to lockdown. <laughs> and I rang her and I was like, eh, about that notice, uh, do you reckon you can like retract it and just kind of like stay? Because I was just thinking the risk, We all my jobs had literally just been cancelled. And I'm like, oh. You don't know how things are going to play out. Honestly, it was like bonkers, the, ta- the way that the timings were. She handed a notice in and the next day, the country's locked down. So she was, I honestly don't know what it was that made her stick with it because we'd been having these conversations since the October before. She started the following July. Wow. So, but she was just determined. She really wanted to be a part of it. So, yeah, by the, by the end of the first year, we got our first office mm. and I got my first employee. And yeah. it was then that I was like, right, this is where the fun stuff happens now. Yeah. not on my own anymore. So let's just talk about that because I've definitely experienced that and I think a lot of people can relate to this. So like when you say like that was one of the biggest challenges, like mm. what helped you deal with that? Because you still carried on with that. This podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning Sourcebreaker. Now, I think it's safe to say that right now the market is crazy. Continue to hear people saying, never seen the market like it. And I continue to speak to recruiters who are inundated with jobs, which is why I'm not surprised that the number one word that I'm always hearing at the moment is automation. And if you're looking at how you can enable your teams to spend more time on what they're brilliant at, building relationships, speaking to people, then you need to look at Sourcebreaker. It's helped countless recruitment companies scale more quickly, enable their younger recruits and their rookies to get better more quickly and automate a whole lot of the the work that a lot of recruiters are probably not so good at and the work that that maybe they don't enjoy as much. Because you listen to this podcast, you're going to be able to get an exclusive discount on the Sourcebreaker product. So if you have not already, get a demo booked in with Sourcebreaker. Use the link in the show notes. You will not regret it. If you're thinking about that word automation in 2022, you need to consider Sourcebreaker. I would say for me, the key was just getting variety. I liked to have a change of scenery from time to time and not just be sat on my own in my kitchen. So I'd go and work from a coffee shop where even though I wasn't talking to people there was a little bit of like a buzz around me and I could just see other stuff happening. I inquired about a few co-working spaces actually and didn't even get there before COVID hit so that would have been an option and I think I would have quite enjoyed that and then I had other friends that worked remotely in the jobs that they did so one of my friends was like an online travel agent so one day a week we'd work together but what I started to find was we had to really try and make sure we weren't distracting each other because <laughs> we both worked in quite isolating jobs. And when we were together, we'd just chat. Just chat so we'd yeah. have to then really hold ourselves, each other accountable. So, yeah. <laughs> and another common challenge out here, I don't know how you found this, and it may not be just specific to the first year and the entire journey so far. When people think about setting up on their own, they're mm-hmm. very conscious that they don't know all the business stuff, yeah. accounting, HR, yeah. Has that been daunting for you? Have you navigated that? Has that been more challenging than you expected? Because I think that can that also holds a lot of people back. Yeah. So you really need to make connections with people that know what they're doing, basically. And I think if you've got people to reach out to, like anybody in your network probably mm. ask you, like, who would you recommend 
to help me get all my terms of business in place. And you probably know someone that would know someone if, you know, mm. it's, it's all about having your network. I think of people that are experts. The only thing I really know how to do is recruit. And so what I needed was the back office functions in place to be able just to recruit and, and then have let that from other day people. one yeah so implement. i actually worked with if you call it like an incubation company but it was actually a business that supports recruitment startups and to be honest if i'd have known that i was going to grow the business and be a lot bigger whether i would have gone down that route i'm not too sure i probably it's great if you're going to just be a one person on band because they can just raise all your invoices for you do all your accounts do all your legal stuff your it stuff your website everything and that was great but the way that it is structured is you pay them sort of per invoice that you raise you will pay them like a small percentage well, forever for like a certain period of time. Okay. I, didn't, I so, didn't know this. About yeah, your yeah. So we set this up for a, like a three year contract, which is, I mean, it's still working quite well and it's still at the moment cost effective because I absolutely milk it for like, <laughs> I, I will send yeah, them like you really maximize the resources. Get my money's worth. Yeah. Um, and they know that and they, they joke about that, how I, I do love to get my money's worth. Um, but actually, the way that I look at it is, that's cheaper for me to do that than it would be to hire an IT person, an accounts person, a HR person, all the rest of it. And it's also the time you would spend on it, thinking about it, yeah. worrying about it, that yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. Would you recommend people to consider going down that route? Not the particular company that you work with, but I guess that is also something a lot of people consider because because yeah. the, they are wary of it, that they yeah. don't have those expertise and that might stress them out. Yeah. So it sounds like, yeah, you outsource that basically. Yeah, and there are a few other companies that do that as well. There's been particular challenges with the one that I have worked with because 12 months after I signed up with them, they were taken over and the service changed uh, so that's been a quite a big challenge for me because then I was tied into them so all I would say is maybe grab two or three companies that do this thing and find businesses that work with them and are contracted to them if you will like I have with mine and ask them call them and just ask them firsthand how have you found it what's good what's not so good and just weigh it up some people do that, some people don't like the thought of being tied in, so there might even be ways that you could tie in for less amount of time, but it was I got a really good deal with them, to be fair, so I was pretty happy with that, but everyone's different. And then what about, just keeping on the topic of challenges, I guess obviously second year was like COVID vibes, yeah. right? So let's talk about, obviously, recently, uh, not too long ago, I had your third year yeah. anniversary, right? Yeah. What have been maybe some of the challenges that you've been most surprised by, didn't expect? Uh, in the last year because now you've got a few more people in the business yeah. like how many people are you today uh, so including myself we're a team of five because I'm sure now but going into that third year you've got a bit of a flavor of things to expect yeah the highs and lows what was yeah some of the challenges that maybe you least expected this year I'm really lucky right now and I can say that there's not been a huge amount of real challenges year one was the hardest and then since then it's flown really nicely but if I was to really think about what's been most difficult but we've made a couple of potential i don't want to call them a hiring mistake but we didn't quite know what we were looking for when we first hired so we did we wanted an administrator we brought somebody on on the government kickstart scheme and it wasn't quite the right fit for our business and it wasn't actually what we needed in the end we only brought them in on a contract so it was all okay and i was just glad that it wasn't permanent and then we tried to bring another person in to do a bit of like resourcing and admin and absolutely loved her she felt recruitment wasn't for her but to be honest i would have been moving her into a consultant role because i don't think we actually needed that so i think the challenge for us has been figuring out what do we need as a business and trying really hard not to follow the typical 
what I've always experienced when I worked for my old company was every team of sort of five, six consultants had an administrator. Actually, I don't need that. And I think that's what's been quite difficult when you bring in staff in and it's their lives and it's your business and the team's impacted. You've got to get it right. And that's quite difficult, really. Yeah, it's, it's funny, right? This always tends to be the most common challenge. Like really? Hiring, yeah, hiring for your own company. Yeah. Like I went for dinner with someone recently who, yeah, is like, yeah, 18 months into their own recruitment business journey. And he sort of said to me that the things that he thought would be the hardest, like winning a new business, standing out, all of that, he's yeah. found easier. Yeah. And then the things that he f would think he'd find easier being the hardest, like hiring for his own mm. team, getting people brought in. Like, how have you found, like, the people that you've hired or hiring people? Obviously, it's your business, so, like, you're even more motivated. Yeah. Have you had to navigate that or, like, feel like you've hired people or had to understand that these people aren't going to work as hard as you? Well, do you know what's really interesting? I, I don't... <laughs> It's going to sound ridiculous. I don't see it as my business. Really? Yeah, I see it as our business. Okay. Because, so there's five of us at the minute. For a long time, there was four. And we, we just had a quarter of, it was a quarter of the business each. And we were directly responsible for our little quarter of the business. And that's very much how my team see it. And I'm quite transparent with my team. I don't pay myself more than my team. The money in the bank isn't my money. It's to be reinvested. And that's how I've always seen it. And I think because of that, the people that I've got are probably quite motivated by that rather than if it was right you're working for me and this is my vision and my dream and I'm going to take all the money out or I'm going to go and set myself up for a nice little life and leave you all working here and <laughs> it, it, that wouldn't work for us like you know and everyone's different and everyone's motivated differently but I know that my team are motivated by they feel like they are a part of something and they are a part of something and it's ours for the taking if you will the I market is ours so I've, yeah Quite lucky with that, really. Have you just been lent into being transparent and honest with yeah. everyone? And people, you found people were bought into that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I was laughing because my accountant rang me in at the end of the financial year and said, you do know that you've got quite a lot of money here that you could take, you know, when you get, get to the next tax threshold. So you can take this much as a dividend if you want to take it. And I was like, wow, I looked at what I'd paid myself for the year. I'd paid myself like 21 grand. And I was like... <laughs> cool like that's nice I don't, don't need any more than that to be honest I live quite a simple life but I just thought that's so funny like my team have made an absolute fortune between them obviously commission and stuff mm. and I'm just here like bumbling along on 21 grand a year <laughs> but I think um, I've always been pretty open with them about that and I intend to carry on being quite open and I was quite inspired in the early days I went went to I used to go to whatever free thing I could go to just to be around people and there was this women in business event going on and there was this lady there called Sandy Lindsay who has a marketing company in Manchester and she was talking about how she put the company into employee ownership and it really kind of sparked something for me and I thought that is great like imagine joining a company and knowing you own a piece of it so my team know that long term that's, the plan. that's on the cards if we can get it to work so so do you think looking back then I, I've sort of found this sitting down with people like yourself or people that have been on different journeys like when you said you started the journey you felt like it was yeah maybe just going to be on yourself one person business do you think like for people considering uh, going on that recruitment entrepreneurial journey that it's important to really understand what type of business that they want? I don't think it is, really. I think you can just kind of, in a way, go with the flow with it. I, that's what I did anyway, because... And I think the reason I did that was because I didn't want to set the expectation early on that I'm going to have this 
massive business and massive team because what was important to me was doing the right thing and if somebody doesn't share that vision and that value then we're not growing the team and it's as simple as that and if it just remains just me because I can't find those people then that's fine so I don't think you necessarily need to know how big you want to scale it it's great if you do because like go helpful other at it but if you don't know I think that's okay as well just to let it organically end up do you think um, would it help you make decisions if you knew from day one that you wanted an employee-owned company, you wanted to be a certain amount of people? I don't know, I think that because yeah, I think a lot of people can get caught up in like different, should I be doing this, should I be doing that? And oftentimes it comes from a place of like not knowing like where you're yeah. going. I do really struggle when people are, oh, where do you see the business in five years? For me, I really struggle with I that. Know, I do. So it's Why like, do you anything can happen, yeah. basically. So I just feel like I can write down what I want it to be, but... I don't know, I just feel like so many things can influence that. So yeah. I guess I'm asking that because I speak to a lot of people who can find themselves in a difficult position and they're like, you can then almost find yourself like, should I hire someone? Mm. Should I be doing this? And oftentimes it's because they haven't really thought about like where they want to be in another 12, 24 months time or the type of company that they want to own. Yeah. I've noticed that every time I have a plan, Something else happens that's not that plan, but turns out to be better. <laughs> so, so that's been your experience? That's been my own experience. So I feel like I can't comment on what other people should do with that. But if that, you know, you might find the same happens and yeah. at least have a rough kind of plan of where you want to go. But also kind of in a, in a way, and this does not feel right for a recruiter, but kind of let go of control of mm-hmm. it a little bit and trust that as long as you're working hard and you you know, and you're doing the right thing, good stuff's going to come from that. Women in business? Yeah. Women in recruitment? Yeah. Do you think you've been disadvantaged? No. Because you've been a a woman in recruitment? No. So, obviously, we had a brief chat about this, didn't we? And you mentioned about a podcast that you'd listened to, which I then happened to come across (laughs) and listen to about... People deciding. I think we can jump on the bandwagon of, oh, as a woman in business, it's harder for me. Mm. I don't know whether sometimes it can depend on what market you're recruiting into. Like, for example, my sister runs a business in the motor trade. So she gets mansplained. Is it mansplained? On the daily. I don't know what that means. So basically, a man will explain something to you that you know about. Oh, right. Okay. Mansplained. (laughs) (laughs) You know know full well what it is, but they will explain it like you don't. Right. So because my sister works with... In the motor trade. She sells ally wheels. So on a daily basis, she will get that kind of conversation and that patronising sort of approach from a lot of people. And she finds that really frustrating. And actually, she holds her own and she knows the stuff. Mm. So, you know, that's great for her. So maybe in the industry that you're in, if it is, mm. you did know, you find that, did, you, did you have to navigate that while she was building your career? As the business grew, we became part of this group. We once had a managing director who was the most sexist really? pig. Yeah, but he was just—he was just a dick. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he was just one on his own, and he was like that with everybody. And it wasn't wasn't because I was in recruitment. It was just because that was him. So I wouldn't—I wouldn't say I've, I've really come across any challenges at all. Maybe. Maybe I'm just sort of ignorant to it and great. Yeah, <laughs> That's no, yeah, the fair. case. Maybe I've been lucky. I don't know, but I wouldn't personally say that being a woman has got in the way of anything. Although we have talked about how, so I'm 29, so I think one of the dilemmas or upcoming dilemmas is going to be what do you do about having a family? So I think if there was going to be anything standing out about women in recruitment, it might be that. Mm. And when I've seen people I've worked with go off and have kids and then come back to work, 
they've always felt this guilt around are they doing recruitment well enough and are they doing motherhood well enough and it's very hard to balance that and how are you going to balance it one of the things that drives me and always has has been freedom basically and working in recruitment really is is my ticket to freedom and one of the things about having my own business is that I can be as flexible as I need to be because I don't have to report to anybody. And I want my team to feel the same, that whatever flexibility you need, it's yours. I've got a great team, to be fair, and one of the things we talk about in every single one-to-one is the succession plan. And I've given myself three years to get the business to a point where I can leave it for a bit, you know, for 12 months, and go and have a child and then come back to it you know, potentially part-time. The way I look at the business is there are people probably better than me within my business, stronger billers than me, and probably better people managers than me in my business. So I'm not that fussed about keeping a really tight hold on that because they'll probably do a better job, to be fair. Mm. So that's how I'll balance it, hopefully. How do you think you would have balanced it if you stayed employed? Would you be more concerned? Yeah, I would. The business I was working for, yeah, I would. Because... It's hard to do a recruitment job part-time. It's really hard. It's not a part-time job. You end up trying to fit a full-time job into four days. That's how it is. And I've seen that, and I've seen how draining that is. So I personally would have struggled with that. And maybe I would have moved out of recruitment. Maybe I would have gone to see if I could sell some alloy wheels with my sister <laughs> instead. Because, yeah, I have, I have, like, that's been the insight that I've taken from the conversations mm. that I've had. But I would like to think that it's evolved more. Yeah. I've interviewed women who almost feel like they've been like hard done by um, really? when coming back. It's been made more difficult because the, the perception is, like you just said, can they do the job part-time? Mm. So should we just get someone that isn't going to be working part-time to work their patch, take their clients, mm. all those things, you know? This podcast is proudly partnered with Vincherry. Now, you should know by now that they are on the quest And their vision and mission is to be and become the operating system for growing recruitment companies. Well, you may or may not have seen, but I'm here to tell you that they've recently added another fantastic piece of kit to their overall amazing system. It's called Vineo. You can probably guess what it is. A lot of you, and for the last two or so years, have probably accelerated your use of Vineo. So having a tool which is seamlessly in your uh, CRM, what you use every day to prospect candidates, prospect clients, to use video in in your interview process, just going to make your life a whole lot easier. So just another amazing reason why you need to check out Vincherry if you're looking for an all-in-one platform, the operating system that you need as you scale your recruitment business, then you have to consider Vincherry. Use the link in the show notes. Because you're a Recruitment Mentors listener, you will get an exclusive discount and price. So use that link and you will not regret it. I've got one of my team on, Matt Lieb, at the moment, Sophia. And if anyone can do a full-time job part-time, it is her. Like, she is incredible. But I don't want her to feel that pressure. So she will be supported in whatever way she needs support. And she knows that. We'll have a chat about whatever flexibility she needs and whatever support she needs from me on her desk. Like she will get, if she needs to bring in a resourcer, that's fine. Like we'll, we'll yeah, figure think, it out. Yeah, I think more and more companies have that mindset. I hope so. A subsection of people will be inspired or one day really like the idea of having their own recruitment business. Mm-hmm. 
sort of knowing what you know now, what advice would you offer to these people that you think would put them in the best position to have the start they really want to have? Yeah. If they're just starting out in recruitment and they know that one day they want to work for themselves, the best thing they can do right now is focus on their reputation. In every single conversation that you have, if you just do the right thing by people, you're going to just, as a byproduct, build that fantastic reputation. And that's going to be super helpful when you go to set up on your own. I've seen a few people try and set up on their own without that reputation to fall back on. And that's when it's risky, really. Um, There's always an element of risk when you set up on your own, but you want to try and eliminate that risk wherever you can. And that's one of the areas you can. If you are sort of like a couple of years into recruitment, I would say that once you get into like a senior consultant role, from that point, I'd say you'd really want a couple of years in a senior role to get as much experience as you can and as much exposure as you can to how that business runs, how to lead people, coach people, support people, just try and just be a sponge and learn it all. And start at that point saving up, basically. So one of the things that, I don't know if we would still be here if I hadn't have done this because obviously the pandemic hit nine months in and there's always going to be the economy to contend with, always. But I started saving money to cover six months worth of my wage. You gave yourself a six month runway. Yeah, and as it happened, I, I stretched it out to 12 months. I just scrimped for 12 <laughs> months. But without that, I bought myself time there to do it right and not to feel that pressure to immediately bill and make the wrong decisions. Like everyone in recruitment will know that if you're, if you're entering a month and you've got your target to hit and you've not really had any kind of like forward orders and you, you're going into a month on zero, the pressure that you are then under doesn't actually help anything. It doesn't usually equal the results. Usually when you, I suppose, think ahead and you're always a month ahead, it flows nicer. And it's the same when you set up on your own. You need time to get it right and just to build your clients and do the right thing. So get your savings, get your money in yeah, the bank. Yeah, be smart with that. And don't see the money in the business as your personal... You might have a really... You might get a nice 10 grand fee and think, right, I'll leave five grand in the business and I'll take five grand out to treat myself. That's risky again because you don't know what next month's going to look like. So just give yourself as mm. long as you can and as much time as possible. Yeah, I like that. So, yeah, early on... Did you put everything into your reputation? Yeah. Definitely agree with that. I think that's a, a great insight. And then, yeah, definitely, I think if you're a senior or in the leadership position, yeah, really lean into, yeah, getting exposure to mm. P&Ls and yeah. how different things work in terms of business. And there's so much experience that you can get from that. Yeah. And then, yeah, I guess sometimes it can be overlooked, just be a bit smart. <laughs> yeah. I feel like some people can almost find themselves like, I'm done with this, like, I just, I need out and then... Yeah, they've got a lot more pressure mm. on their back, maybe than the, was necessary. Yeah. I guess before we finish then, and I sort of get your thoughts on where this business is going, what mm-hmm. you're really excited about, I feel like I may know the answer to this, but I want to ask it because I think oftentimes when I speak to people, one of the, the biggest concerns they have when starting out is definitely how quickly am I going to be able to sign terms with my first client, mm-hmm. do deals. A lot of people have to contend with covenants for six months, 12 yeah. months. What has been the most effective way for you to consistently win business and, and get that first deal done? What, I don't know, what ended up really working for you quickly, do you think? I was really lucky. I only had a four-month uh, restricted covenant. covenant yeah. I think it was a typo on my contract. They, <laughs> co- they cocked up big time. So I was like so buzzing for that. So I saw that as a four-month opportunity. I knew after four months, all my existing clients that I'd worked with for the last seven years would be on the phone. 
So I had a four month window there to BD around businesses I've never worked with before. So when I was with my previous employer, I had quite a small patch. So I had half of Lancashire basically. Oh, wow. So for that four months, I focused on the other half of Lancashire that I'd never been able to touch before. Telling them a little bit of just around my story as to why I've set up. And people want to help. They want to support you. So it was just really nice to do that. And that paid off because four months in, all my old clients, I rang them straight away. I was like, I can work with you now. And they were buzzing. I'd book visits. Go, visits. Visits is the big one. Just get out there. Get in front of them. You'll always win business. But I'd book visits with all my original clients. And it wasn't a problem. It was just getting in front of people. It just works every time. It's just the, do the basics. I think it's interesting, right? Because I think you might almost think that being a small little business, people may... I don't know, not buy into that, or you, yeah. you you think, oh, I've been part of this established business, so that's why this. But again, when I was catching up with my friend, he was saying, actually, the thing that I've really found is that companies actually really resonate with our yeah. story and what we're doing. Yeah. So you, you found that. And that do you know what, as well, I've asked my clients for feedback on, if you were to compare our service to the likes of the big players in the market, how does it compare? And they said, well, you haven't got a big name to hide behind. Your service is, you're exposed and it's all about your service. And if you lose a client, that's your business gone. You've got to get it right. Whereas when you've got a big name to hide behind, then it doesn't really matter if you screw people over on, along the way. That business isn't going to go bust. So that's one thing that my clients have noticed. That is uh, you're exposed and you, you can't hide. I think you fall into the trap, can't you, of like, trying to overplay what you are before you're there. Yeah. Because you can be quite self-conscious of how you're going to be perceived. It's just Phoebe in our kitchen, dining room table, doing this and they take me seriously. Yeah. But actually, if you really own that and demonstrate that, look, this is going to mean a lot to me, it's going to mean even more to me, and then you deliver on that, yeah. it's actually something that people really buy into and actually yeah. like doing business with. Yeah. Absolutely. So where, where's this business going then? Obviously three years, so, second year, had to deal contend with, the, with yeah. COVID. You're no longer alone. Yeah. So where, where's this business going over the next couple of years then? We're just about to head into our fourth year. And this is the first time where we've gone into a new year where we've got a team that know what they're doing. They don't, need any, don't really need any more training. We have an ongoing training session every Wednesday morning, which just fills in the blanks. The team are all just set up now just to go and smash it. And the plan really is, I mean, me and you have talked about having that million pound company. And I think mm. it is just that vision of that's when you know you've mm. got a really good business. Mm. But I want to try and do that with the fewest kind of recruitment consultants I can. I want everybody to just to be absolutely maximising their potential and to be really well supported and down the line to have a piece of the pie and to then kind of leave it up to the team as to what do you want to do with the business? Do you want to grow the business? Are you happy with the size that it is? Where, where do you want to go with it? I'm not fussed. I'll just come along for the ride. I'm quite happy. I love that. Yeah. So what are you most excited by? Just continuing to enjoy the journey. I just, I'm really enjoying it. Like I love going to work. So I, I can't say, I just want to keep seeing where it goes and just excited about the future in general. Yeah, well, I'm excited to look outside in where it goes. Thanks. So I've always enjoyed our conversations and yeah, kudos to you, like in terms of being smart with your money at the beginning, yeah. didn't know COVID was around the corner. You've really grown into leading a team, running a business. Thank and you. it sounds really exciting. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank really you for enjoyed it. Me. And I'm uh, really excited for everyone to listen. Yeah. Thank you.
Well done on making it to the very end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career. Like always, if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. Send me a message. What would you love me to cover with future guests? If you have enjoyed the podcast, then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform. That will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Recruitment Mentors Podcast.